Hello and welcome to the Sacred Space Storytelling Podcast, a place where we will dive deep into epic discussions on birth, motherhood, womanhood, rites of passage, and so much more. We are your hosts, Lucy, a mama of four, a birth keeper, a women's worker, and a past midwife who has left the system in the pursuit of truly being with woman. And Christy, a mama of three, birth and pregnancy advocate, community service worker with a strong interest in the shamanic dimensions of the journey from girlhood into womanhood and beyond. Come with us now as we unravel today's conversation. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Space Storytelling Podcast number 14. Today we have Lucy, of course, and myself and the amazing Athena. Athena Maroulis is an RTT clinical hypnotherapist and coach with a background in business and advertising. She changed careers a few times but knows her work is about lifting humanity one person at a time from within. She was born in Australia but lived in Denmark and Guatemala where she fell in love with studying the spiritual practices of shamanism, indigenous spirituality and various other mystery school paths which enables her to integrate a deep spiritual knowledge into her work with clients. Welcome, mm. Athena. Thank welcome. you. Thank you. And so also much. welcome, Primrose, again in the background. I told her not to talk while I did that introduction, but she didn't listen. <laughs> oh, she just wants to be involved, get amongst it. <laughs> but she knows Athena well, so it's all good. <laughs> welcome we're so happy to have you oh thank finally you on the podcast another beautiful local yes. woman in our community mm-hmm. oh it's such a pleasure to be here and connect and yeah share and yeah I love it and I love what you guys are doing it's just so important so magical and so needed so thank you yeah <laughs> and your story we want to hear your story yeah it's just like a before we jumped on, I just wanted you to explain what um, RTT meant, like yeah. what it stands for. Yeah, it stands for Rapid Transformational Therapy, which sounds in itself a little naff, but it is what it is. Like it, it's really deep hypnotherapy that combines a few different psychotherapy tools and it's incredibly um, good at getting rid of a lot of subconscious beliefs and um, patterns and stuff but you know trauma it just it's really good at just regulating the nervous system and understanding why we have trauma but and also just allowing us to kind of come back into that deep sense of peace within that allows us to feel strong and free and grounded Um, so yeah it's it's my primary tool with clients. I do integrate a little bit of spiritual and shamanic understanding because the subconscious is a realm that shamans have worked with for many thousands of years. And so their knowledge is super important um, in that Mm -hmm. space too. But yeah, I I get to the subconscious um, through RTT, rapid transformational therapy. And it was a, style of hypnotherapy developed by a woman called Marissa Peer who's yeah quite prolific in and of herself so yeah 
And I've had that hypnotherapy and I can vouch that Athena is Mm -hmm. freaking amazing. And it was like, I mean, I did a testimony about this not that long ago, which sort of describes it a little bit on Athena's page, but it was incredible. Like I actually am nearly ready to have another one, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just, it gets you. It's just, it's like unlocking the door to the next potential version of yourself because you're just clearing the way. And it's all those like fears and, and, and you know, those like little tightness in your chest that holds you back from like really speaking your truth or going Mm. out and doing what really you want to do, but you, you kind of held back in some way. It's like, it lifts the lid on all of that and allows you just to have that freedom and flow with whatever you want to do. It's quite cool. Such an awesome form of therapy and tool to have. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We would love, though, to bring you all the way back to the beginning of your experiences that kind of led you to how you're working now Um, and, yeah, those experiences that inspired you, that influenced you, um, that made you the woman that you are present day. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So my background's been really varied. Um, Like I'm a manifesting generator, like Christy. Yeah. (laughs) And we like mixing it up and having a few different careers. So um, at first, you know, when I was really young, I wanted to do fashion, actually. Like I was really obsessed with fashion. Then I realized like to have a fashion business, you need to learn about business. So I went to uni and studied business at and did a degree in that. And then I cut my first one of my first couple of jobs out of uni were like in fashion, but then it was hectic. Like it was 40 women in this really, it was actually in an underwear company. <laughs> and it was, oh, it was called Pleasure State. It was amazing. Oh, you can give me some of them knickers actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Pleasure State. Pleasure. <laughs> um, but yeah. You're also it, a Scorpio too, Patty. just by the way. I just have to add that. Yeah. That's Scorpio vibes, pleasure state. Yeah, but it was so hectic. It was like 40 women in one company and it was intense. And I was like, I just, this is not my vibe. This is not my environment. Like it was too much. So I went into an advertising agency that actually, like I went from being one of 40 women pretty much to one of 15, like three girls within a a, a, creative studio of 15 guys. And I actually really liked that. Like I love working with guys because it's just down to earth we like worked hard we played hard and and being a woman in amongst like a lot of dudes is actually sometimes beneficial when you want to get stuff done um, I was about so, to say play hard what happened playing oh, hard just no. drink Joking. from 11 it was like wine o'clock at 11 a.m every Friday yeah fun <laughs> those were the fun. days yes. um and then I quit because I was just burning out. Like it was just too intense. And I didn't realize like I, I lived a really hard party lifestyle in my 20s. Um, and I got on a plane to South America with a one-way ticket. Uh, I think I was like 25, about to turn 26. And I um, ended up traveling and just partying even more but it was actually me in self-destruct mode like I was running away from a lot and I partied for eight months and I was like I think I need to check myself in somewhere and the universe in a really weird sequence of events 
basically pushed me to Guatemala. And I, like, I got sick in Panama. I was all by myself. I met this girl. I accidentally had bought a ticket to Guatemala even before all of this, and I didn't even want to go there. I was like, what's the next country north after Costa Rica, like from Panama? And it was not Guatemala. Like, you just skip the whole of Central America. <laughs> and I, like, had totally. So it was just like an up. accident on the it computer. Was, yeah. It, it's a long story. Well, I, I, so to get into Panama, to fly into Panama, you need to get an exit ticket. They won't let you in Panama unless you say, I've got a ticket out as well because they don't yeah. want immigrants coming in. So I'd accidentally bought the wrong ticket in the airport in Chile as I was flying in. It, it's actually just even a longer story than that. It's just this like crazy sequence of events that the universe said you need to be there. It happened and I got to Guatemala. <laughs> and... This woman in the hostel actually in Panama just before I say all of that, because I was going to skip that flight, she was like, I've just been at this amazing retreat. It goes for a month. It goes from moon cycle to moon cycle. You stay in silence for seven days at the end and you just reset. You do like two-hour sessions of meditation every day. You do um, spiritual knowledge classes and yoga every day and it was just sounded amazing it sounded what I needed because I was a mess my health was a mess emotionally I was a mess and I was just traveling by myself like I was just a loose unit and I got to Guatemala I even screwed up the ticket I missed the flight going there and I got to the airport she's like this flight was for yesterday but we have a flight today going at the same time. You just can't go business class today. <laughs> it oh, was so business class. Yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> I, I missed my flight, but she let me wow. on the, the flight the next day because I was just like, whatever. We yeah. wanted me there and I don't know yeah. how. <laughs> and I got there and it was what I needed. It was such, mm. it was like, I was thrashed by the universe though. Like it was the spiritual initiation I needed. And it ended up being that I was in a mystery school. So every day we were learning about tarot, we were learning about um, lucid dreaming, we were learning about all these different spiritual practices that enable you to basically clear out your energy energy, and get aligned. And it was so hard because I'd never really done stuff like that before um, my my mom and my grandma are very spiritual, so I had a really big foundation. Like I was doing stuff like learning auras, and my grandma had done stuff like that with me when I was seven. So um, it was like re-remembering a lot of stuff as well. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up at the end of that just being refreshed. I started a handbag business. I was traveling between Australia and Guatemala a lot. Um, I had kind of lovers around I had an old boyfriend in Denmark who I was also seeing in the mix of all of that and then so why like this Denmark like did he yeah. so I met Matthias before I'd left Australia he was in Australia oh that's right okay Denmark. yep 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 yeah. so I met him before I left for all of that trip and we were kind of like planning to meet up at some stage and we kind of were on again off again and then in um, 2013 we met up in Bali and we we're like let's try and work this out and then I met him in Denmark that summer and 
we fell pregnant and um, decided to. Was that the first time you've been to Denmark? No, it was, I think, my third time there. Okay. Second or third time. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so it kind of put a stop to my handbag business, even though it kind of was at a stage where it was running itself for a bit. It really, because I realized I couldn't have a little baby and travel and do all these things. Having said that, I was just saying to Christy and Lucy, like in Guatemala, I was so inspired because I saw these women who were just so beautiful. Like they would be in the marketplace, like the Indigenous women and children were so part of everything that they did there. Mm. Like they would be in the marketplace haggling hardcore and they'd have a baby at their breast and you'd see like babies carrying babies, like four-year-olds carrying Mm. newborns and you'd see like... And it was just everywhere and I could just see myself in Guatemala like with this little baby of my own just keeping on going and travelling and doing my business. And But when I was in Denmark I was like, holy hell, this is not, this is really hard. Like this is not what it I expected it to be. Um, but also in Guatemala I had met some really incredible women, women who had adopted Guatemalan children and babies I had a really beautiful friend Alice who was German and she had like five children and she just rebirthed her fifth child basically in her kitchen and just on her own over like a big basin and that story had just stuck with me because I was like I'd never really um felt like hospitals were somewhere welcoming and inviting and that story just really stuck Mm. with me hearing about that empowerment like you know she was like our bodies are just meant to do this like it's not something that needs to be medically intervened like our bodies know how to do this and that really Mm. stuck with me so I knew I didn't like when I fell pregnant in Denmark I knew. so were you pregnant at this I was going to say in in a hospital to give birth. Sorry, I know I'm jumping around a lot, but my life was a bit. No, no, no. I just wanted to know, like, were you pregnant at that time or you just like thinking? No, I just, I could really feel into this birthing. Like it was starting Mm, to seed in my mind. That was like such, um, like that moment, the aha moment and where you, that awakening to the next phase, I guess, of like your life and being exposed mm. to a different way as well of like mothering and birthing that we don't get exposed to yeah. really in our Western world. It's all behind closed doors in hospitals, isn't it? It's yeah. not integrated, like even business and mothering, it's not integrated. It's one or the other. And yeah. so to have that experience before you went into birth is so influential and so incredible to lay that foundation of different ways of mothering and birthing yeah and I think like even after I'd had my son because in Guatemala like women design these like beautiful clothes and like they weave all their own clothes right but they design their clothes so that they can just breastfeed all the time you know it's so normal and so natural so like I'd be on, so how you get around in Guatemala is these things called chicken buses and they're literally like old school buses from the US that they bring down to Guatemala. They like pimp them up and they're like tiny, like you're like three on a seat and 
so many times I'd have like right next to me a baby's head which was being breastfed like on my shoulder, you know, like it was so in my face and so like right up in me, you know. And I was like, yeah, of course women just breastfeed all the time, wherever, whenever. Like, and I think when I first had my son, my mom was like, whoa, you're like, feel you're really natural and like not worrying about any of this stuff. And I was mm. like, yeah. Because that normal. just goes <laughs> to show how powerful modeling is and like learning yeah. through observation is. And we've said this a few times now in um, our podcasts recently of reflecting on how women's um, experiences before babies help them feel more confident in their own mothering journeys, like like being exposed to just physiological birth or breastfeeding um, and, and witnessing other women do it before you do it is just so powerful and how it's actually meant to be and everything that is wrong with our society right now in that we don't get that beautiful, integrated, organic education. Yeah. It's like you learn once you've got a baby in your arms and it's it's too much. Like it's so overwhelming. But if you've got that foundation laid and that trust in your body, you've seen other people do it, you know how normal and beautiful it is, then your nervous system is so much more relaxed and you're primed, ready to go. Like obviously there's always a learning curve. Like yeah. <laughs> everyone's journey and story and birth and breastfeeding and mothering is different. Mm. But I think having exposure is so integral and oh, yeah. um, something that we really lack in our modern day societies. Yeah, 100%. We, and especially at that time, social media was still relatively new, right? Like we weren't seeing it on social media, like what it was to birth, what, you know, we had like some shows and, but it wasn't like, you know, this awareness around breastfeeding that we see now where it's just super normal and super, and, and you know, when you're in your 20s, you're not following necessarily accounts on socials that are like no. moms, you know. No one totally. does it. Like you don't follow those accounts. So your, your, your norm or like what is normal to you, what your sphere of awareness is, unless, you know, I mean, I'm sure you were like Lucy because you, you were in that midwifing space, like it did feel very natural and normal. But for someone who is like, working in fashion, working in advertising, mm. working in business, um, that whole arena is so devoid of that mm. natural mother connection and what it means to be a mum in that space and mm. what it means to have to, like, integrate your child in your business. Like, a lot of the women, and I will say this now, many of the women I went to uni with, have not had children they have worked their butts off because marketing and advertising is incredibly unfriendly to moms you know it's really brutal long hours it doesn't lend you a lot of time to even go out dating to be quite honest um, and nurture a good relationship because a lot of the time on a Thursday or a Friday night you'd be in the office till seven and I'm not kidding like doing deadlines for clients you know and 
that that life is not friendly to children. It's not. Mm. Your children are your clients at that stage. There's no love. There's no extra energy left for for giving to a child. Like you're you're spent. Like yeah. so mm. many of my colleagues would spend all weekend in bed. Because and if no so one and is doing it as well, like you haven't seen a woman work in that business space and thrive as a mum it seems impossible. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, there's so many workplaces where this is the case, like even ironically midwifery is yeah. super unfriendly to mothers. Oh, um, that's I think the biggest irony. It's, it's super ironic. Um, I think across the board, I, we as modern women or like just in our modern society, we've just really, um, yes, like we segregate every, everything separate, um there's no integration and that's why I love that you got that that beautiful like natural exposure and education in Guatemala of business women of you know selling their wares at markets and having their babies there with them on their backs or breastfeeding them um how effortless like fashion was like even even just like your outfit is is built to your body and your and your baby's needs like and it just that comparison alone from how we exist in, you know, West Western countries, like, just shows how yeah, like we have to fully. It's it's so hard. You have to fully bias like buy maternity, maternity yeah, you know, and and it's um breastfeeding's really like seen as oh like hide that away and um it's only been recently that we've I think women have pushed back a little bit more with that and kind of normalized breastfeeding but it's we've got so much to learn from these other countries who are just doing it so well and are thriving and it's so sad that women feel like it is one or the other like they have to choose yeah um and then and then again don't get exposed to what it can look like so then they think it's not possible so then they say oh well I'm just gonna choose my career or I'm not gonna push back against this story that we've been told um it's just crazy um and then the mums that do do have children and try and keep up with their careers they just burn out don't they it's just so unsustainable um but yeah, so take us back to falling pregnant and you were in you were in Denmark at this time. You find yeah. out you're pregnant yeah. and you've got your business and yeah. what's that process? How does that unfold? How does your, yeah. Well, it was a bit of a, yeah, it wasn't expected. Um, I, I had to say, did you plan this? No, no, it wasn't expected and it was, Matthias and I had known each other for three years by that stage, but we weren't necessarily like together together that whole time. And and it was it was unexpected. Um, but I knew like I'd created that and I wanted that and I wanted to be with Matthias at that stage very deeply. And um yeah, we were both like really prepared to break, you know, take on that challenge. I mean like you think that you're an adult, you know, by the age of like 27, 28, um, but there's still so much growing. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I think back and I'm like, wow, how naive. But also like I'm also a big believer of there's no right time really. Mm. Like you're always on this spiritual path. You're always growing. You're always learning. 
And yeah, it would have been so helpful to know all the things I know now and be the person who I am now. But would I be that same person had I not gone through exactly that experience? Who knows? Um, I don't think I would be. So I knew my stepsister had birthed. I had a few friends that had birthed actually, like three close friends, and all three of them had had an induced labour and ended up with emergency caesareans that just sounded harrowing and horrible. And I was like, that is not my path. And I kind of set out on this thing of like, okay, I, I, I asked them a lot of questions. I was like, what happened? Why did it go wrong? And in all three situations, their cervix hadn't dilated, right? So that's why they had to go down the emergency C-section path. And, and these, all three, um, it just sounded horrible. And I, I was like so determined to figure out, okay, how do you get your cervix to dilate, right? And I realized it was something that you needed your body to do um, and just feel safe in. And I was like, okay, how do I do that? And I knew if I birthed in Denmark, I would be able to do it at home. Um, Copenhagen is like amazing with progressive um, alternative, like actually looking at the science and the data and actually going like, we're going to do this, you know, like, so the same hospital that Princess Mary birthed in Reese hospital, it, um, that was my birthing hospital. And they have the best 15 midwives on the team are home birth midwives. So they get called out to do home births. And, you know, they do screen, like they say, okay, you need to be like within a certain criteria if you're like got gestational diabetes or something like that or pre, yeah, is it preeclampsia? Yeah, like mm-hmm. you're not allowed to be on that home birth program. But when we went for the induction, which was scary in itself because it was all in Danish, um, I, I they were like, you know, statistically you're so much safer at home. Like they were telling people that. They were like so timing I was them. Say, when you say induction, do you mean like the orientation to the hospital? Yeah. It, yeah, like, it was like a, a – I don't know. I don't know what they have here because I never like went you weren't, through you it. Like you weren't being – induced <laughs> no 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 yeah. no it was like learn about birthing yeah kind of okay so program. birthing cl- classes yes yeah, birthing class yes that's yeah what yeah, I mean. yeah okay yeah like I'm like what do they even call it here I don't know yeah, um yeah so yeah they had like a birthing class basically to kind of but it was like a bunch of people in the same class and you all go and you like find out what's the process of birthing like you you find out about the markers anyway it was on in Danish and it was pretty hard I was freaking out a bit because I'm Mm. like I need to know how this works and I didn't speak Danish and I was like yeah (laughs) that would have been so confronting yeah it was already in such a vulnerable like situation like yeah yeah um so I actually ended up doing some English birthing classes which I found and that was really helpful. I made a really great friend through that and that was great. What did um, they teach you? It was just the birthing process. So like, okay, I really wanted to know what happens with your body because I'm a scientific person. Um, 
and I wanted to know like how do I avoid what my friends had gone through um and then I also had like an amazing resource birthing from within mm, and that oh, was yeah. really such a great book and I'm sure you guys use it a lot mm. and it really taught you okay where are the fears like because I started to understand I, I meditated a lot at that stage I'd also done as well on top of that um, retreat program like I'd done Vipassana so I know I know the power of the mind and I know mm. I had known at that stage like how important your state of being is in terms of going into birth and and being in that relaxed state is going to allow you to let your body take over your cervix to expand and for you to be able to push through you know mm. um so yeah yeah so birthing from within was a really powerful resource because it kind of showed me okay where do fears lie where what am I looking at what do I need to release and and that was super beautiful that process I think I'd done a little bit of hypnobirthing like I I got hold somehow of a hypnobirthing so that was actually some of my first introduction to what hypnosis is that's um, pretty amazing yeah. even just the birthing from within info because that's oh like, it's so powerful I, I actually mean, yeah. do hypnosis sessions sometimes I've done a few where women have come to me and they're like I know Either I'm, I can't get pregnant. Why can't I get pregnant? I had one woman who came, she, she had a couple of miscarriages and she's like, she was a yoga teacher and she's like, I know I keep miscarrying because something's going on. And um, we went into that at a subconscious level and found out, you know, like you can find out where your body is blocking you, right? Um, Even fertility wise like hypnotherapy is incredible like if there's anyone listening that is looking to get pregnant and struggling have hypnotherapy it it will tell you why your body and your psyche and your subconscious don't feel safe to hold that baby or Makes why so they're much sense really because everything yeah. is like emotional really it's connected yeah. to something your body deeper. is always listening your body is always listening and manifesting actually what you want and if you have fears it will block it your body will fear protect you. also is going to increase adrenaline and cortisol, which is not going to be conducive to your body being able to conceive as well. It's going to block a lot of other things physically. So 100%. it's like they all work hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And and I I love doing those sessions where people have like as well birthing fear, like the fear of birthing. I never like had a fear of birthing. Um, I really shielded myself from like bad stories. Having said that, I did hear I there was one part of it I was a bit fearful of. I had a a woman because um, I I came back to Australia while I was pregnant and I had a shop um, in Newtown, and one of my clients was a news presenter, um, and she had just come in telling me the story of her second birth and how she lost a huge amount of blood when they pulled the placenta out they pulled it too hard and 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 that story freaked me out a bit so I had to do a bit of work on that to like just go that's not my but that part. wasn't her body also that wasn't happening from from her body that was happening from someone pulling her placenta out yeah yeah 
Yes, but it was a good thing for me because I was like super, I was like super guarding that process like as well. Mm. It was good to know like, okay, watch out for that, you know, be vocal on the midwife mm. and stuff. Um, yeah, so I know it's really scattered this story, but that's because there's a lot of moving parts. No, no, <laughs> it's no, no. All it was Australia and it was Guatemala and then it was Denver. No. So, it's all the yeah. pieces. I know this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was hard. It was really hard because I was split. Um all my friends and family were in Australia. I was in mm. Denmark. Like it was so hard. Like mm. I was really alone. Um and I tell people like don't don't isolate yourself in pregnancy. Don't in postpartum, like have your community. Like it's so hard. Otherwise I was gonna ask you like your pregnancy, yeah. like like you obviously didn't get the support that you needed. Yeah. Like what where did like did did you source any like what like what was that like for you? It was so just go it alone. And that's how I birthed my business. I just got in there and I did it, you know. Um, yeah. which isn't necessarily how it should be, you know. Um and while like the Danish system was amazing, like my birth itself was really beautiful, you know. Mum came over. Um, <clears throat> it was quite a quick birth. Like I, um, I, I was on the phone to my friend that day in Copenhagen, and my mum had just arrived. I'd just finished doing like an intensive month-long Danish course, so I could like I was going three times a week to Danish school. Um, I was like in my final months of being pregnant. I just wrapped up having a four-month shop in Australia, like a pop-up shop, and wow. it was so intense. Like physically, so I had worked my butt off physically and I was mm. tired. I got back to Denmark. I'd packed up my life and, and mm. moved to Denmark. And it was big, you know, like um, I was really tired and I just wrapped up the course, the month of intensive Danish. I just, my mum had just arrived um, and and I was on the phone to my friend. I was like, I went, I was like, hey, I need to use the bathroom. Just give me a sec. I hung up, went and I was like, oh, that looks like my period and it was of course the mucus plug how many weeks pregnant were you at this point I was bang on my due date yeah Yeah, wow yeah um it was he actually came the day before I was yeah like my due date were Um, you feeling anything before that like did you feel different or not necessarily um so that day I yeah I went back on the phone to my friend like oh I got what looks like my period I wonder if I I just I wasn't even almost going to mention it and I was like maybe maybe I'm going into labor I don't don't know like (laughs) so exciting (laughs) yeah and my mom had been out um she had stayed the night the previous night with um uh my parents-in-law and I just could relax, you know, like finally. And, yeah, he came. Like that day I kind of started getting like period pains. But for me, like I've always had really bad periods. Like um, so 
it was like, oh, I'm just probably having those Braxton Hicks that everyone gets. And then I ended up at 7 p.m. that night. We had a birthing pool at home and um, we were eating dinner, my mum and Matthias and I, and I said, oh, I'm having like kind of period pains, but like I really wasn't thinking at that stage he was coming. <laughs> did you know Did you know the, the gender? No, no, I didn't know. Um, and and they were they started freaking out. Like we'd bought this change table secondhand, and my mom was like, "Oh shit, we need to clean this change table." Matthias had bought a pump for the um, pool, and and it didn't work. And he's like, "Oh my god!" It was like eight p.m. I need to go and like return this pump, like this air pump, and get a new one. So he was like running out. Mom was like frantically cleaning, and I was like, "Guys." It was like 10 p.m. by this stage. And I was like, I need to rest. Like, mm. can you guys just shut up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny how people respond. Like, yeah, everyone has a different kind of default it response. It was so <laughs> funny. Yeah. And at that time I was like, I just want to sleep. And because I could feel it. It was like period pain. But because I've had such, I've had such bad period pain, like period pain where I've puked and like, been so violently in pain that I've just yeah spent days on bathroom floors and bad period pain so for me like that pain I was like oh whatever like it's not a biggie um and I ended up yeah going to bed I took Panadol went to bed then by midnight I was full-on laboring like and I was like um Matthias can you come into the bathroom and like put water on my back it's really hurting and I think by like one he called the midwives and the midwives were like oh look she's just probably you know how long has she been going oh not that long oh she's probably got heaps long to go but we'll send someone over just to check and so 3 a.m I think we woke mum up I know maybe two or something a woman came um who was just clocking off her shift basically and she was in her scrubs and she's like I'm really sorry I'm just coming in to check and she she came into the bathroom where I was just like full-on in contractions and she was like "Ooh." If you want to um, use that birthing pool, I think you've got to fill it up now because she's going to have that baby. <laughs> and wow. so we woke mum up. Mum starts like frantically like filling the, the pool. Um, Matthias is like, holy shit. <laughs> and how are you feeling in the labour? Like, were well, you... I was just like, oh, this is just like periods. This is like what my So you felt like. completely in control and you weren't. Like you were just just moving through it. Like it was painful, but I experienced that pain like every month for many years. And so for me, I was like, uh, and I guess my process is just to like flow with it. And Mm. maybe it was, maybe we'd call that disassociating, but I knew how to do it really well because I'd I'd Mm. gone through that pain. So, And you also weren't fearful of that pain because you'd, it was familiar to you. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy how really a lot of birth is psychological and mental. It like is. it's how your response to what you're feeling in your body, like yeah. your um, and because you were just, it was normal to you to have those sensations. You weren't, you had no fear. You could, you trusted your body because you feel yeah. it monthly. <laughs> I mean, but you I also were... read a lot about it, and I really knew. Yeah, that it was that preparation knew. as well. Yeah, <clears throat> I'd really, I, I knew that's what our bodies have been designed for, and they've been doing that for thousands and millions of years. And it's like, yeah, there's nothing different about me to anyone else that's gone mm. before me. You know. Yeah, that's why it's so important to get your headspace. Oh, aligned like before it's you all headspace yeah, yeah and if you can trust the unfolding that's the half of it or more than half of it and just mm. get out of your own way and your body knows what to do yeah. yeah yeah and and the more you do that the deeper you'll drop into the process and just allow it to unfold you know yeah the more you fear ever... you carry the more tension you carry in your body and mm-hmm. tension is is that tightness right and you just need to allow it just give way. Mm-hmm. And we usually hold a lot of tension in our throats and jaws and mouths. And then that directly correlates to our pelvic floor and our cervix. So if you have a really, re- if you feel relaxed, generally you probably will have more relaxed throat and really you're not mm. going to hold that tension there. So then therefore everything yeah, in your birth canal and your cervix and your vagina and everything will also be really open. Um, so, yeah, yeah really ha- drawing attention to how you're holding your body. Um, like if, just in other other times of discomfort in, in pregnancy, it's such a good practice yeah. and, to, and to be conscious of that so that in labour you can be like, okay, I'm... I'm tightening up. I'm going to I'm going to consciously breathe now and relax and that's going to help everything else relax. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. Athena, have you done um hypnotherapy on preg- a pregnant woman before? Yeah. Wow, yeah. cuz I'm just think like I'm thinking that that would be quite beneficial. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like I've done it a couple of times on women who are having like fear of birthing and it's just so good. It's oh, so powerful. Uh, yeah, like and just That's dropping the- into that space of I trust my body. I trust yeah. it. Just, yeah. Just remembering you- the fact that we've you have been birthed by thousands of women before you. Yeah. You know? It's so normal and so natural. You know, we like put it in this hospital setting because it's meant to be like foreign or whatever. It's not. It should be in the home, like in my opinion. Mm-hmm. We totally need to collaborate one day with that. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, that would be Just really cool. Helping, yeah, women drop into that trust with their body is just super important because our bodies, you know, sometimes due to different things, like we, we kind of disconnect from our bodies, like whether it's trauma or something up that happened to our body where we just don't trust it anymore. And that that has such a big impact on how you birth and allow and and have that trust with your body so yeah Mm. it is really important and the deeply ingrained conditioning like just of of society yeah and as we're doing right now in our workshop going back to rites of passage and how that um 
plant seeds as well of of that self-doubt of that Mm. um the shame the not being able to trust your body and if we unpack that we can heal and yeah come back to that trust and belief that our bodies were built for birth yeah Yeah. and they so were um yeah so Romarius came my waters didn't break until about half an hour before so wait, were you still at crying. home at this point I was at home the whole time yeah oh okay yeah. right 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 so you were yeah. in the bathtub the midwife comes she's like oh you're in like she checked me labor. <laughs> yeah yeah she checked yeah. me and she's like you only have like one or two centimeters to oh go my goodness yeah and how did you um, feel when she said that I don't know I can't remember it but um yeah it just felt normal yeah yeah Yeah. so Matthias blew up the birth pool and got that sorted yeah yeah (laughs) because like we lived in this tiny apartment and it was like yeah it was chaotic (laughs) um yeah um did you set up your birth space like did you ever put did you put any like thought into that um, I think I lit some candles and I definitely had like dim lighting. Like Not I that get you really have to, emotional. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just I I hadn't thought about that, you know. Mm. Um the only thing I remember was like the I was like actually really wanting to clear my bowels. <laughs> yeah and I was like I was like I really wanted to like have that and like I don't know whether they do that in in Australia but like they squirt some stuff up there so you can just clear it out because I could remember I could feel that pressure and I because you know you get quite constipated in in the process of being pregnant sometimes Mm. and I could just feel I was like oh there's something in there that's not the baby I need to get that out and she was like you have no time for that you are way past that stage and I was like bloody hell um (laughs) and so I was on the toilet at one stage I think just after my waters had broke she was like yeah you can go to the toilet but then she was like, you're going to birth that baby on the toilet because the, the contractions were so deep. And I was mm. like, she's like, you're pushing. I can see you're pushing. Stop. You're going to have the baby in the toilet. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I have to get off the toilet. She's like, look, you can go after. And then, yeah, within the next hour, I think I pushed him out in the pool. And I had a really, oops. You're you're off, Christy. Sorry, I was gonna say, was it painful for you? I mean, look, it was it was what it was. Like it's that burning pain sensation. It's not. I'm not gonna sit here and say it's pleasant. It is what it is. Mm. Um, it's your body deeply stretching and it's mm. fiery. Like it's it's not pleasant. The whole process was not for me. I would say pleasant. It's discomfort. You're moving through. Mm. Like your body doing things that and it's initiation. This is you moving from maiden to mother. Is so much going on in that first. Oh yeah, it was painful. Like my body was stretching. Like the contractions themselves was you know big, um, and yeah, he came out. I think I pushed probably like a handful of times, 
Um, I don't remember it, but Matthias ended up with like really big bite marks on his arm <laughs> and bruises. Yeah, like just grabbing. I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he came and it was beautiful. In the pool. So beautiful. And you birthed him with such trust and like grounding within yourself. It sounds like you just had so much trust in the process. You birthed him so gently. Yeah. It was really nice. What was your first thought when he, how did you, how did you birth him? Like what position were you in? Um, I was like on my knees. Yeah. Cause I knew, I knew like laying down is not really helpful. Like anatomically, you know, it's not, it doesn't mm. allow gravity to do its thing. But also I think you instinctively, you yeah, get in naturally. those kind of positions if no one's telling you. Yeah. 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 And yeah. did you catch him? Um, I think the midwife caught him. I could feel him coming down. Um, she caught him. Um, and then, yeah, I was able to like sit down. Um, she kept him under the water for a few minutes, like just while I, not a minutes, but you know, like a few seconds while I just sat and so that I could, you know, meet him. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. <laughs> I love that she did that that she didn't just bring him out of the water in a rush and like throw him onto you which is what so many midwives do they rush that transition of you coming back into your body and the baby transitioning from womb to earth and put just a, a woman who's just gone through that portal and that intensity of that experience isn't ready to have a newborn baby like placed on their body yet it's so beautiful that she gave you that moment of pause that mammals also naturally have if you watch it um another like mammal give birth the baby comes out and they take a pause to come back and then and then Mm. they have time to receive and gaze at their baby and um so beautiful that she waited for you to be ready yeah yeah it was and she yeah and then because he had like a towel kind of around him at the same time like it was yeah within the pool but yeah well I was sitting there and then like we're just looking at him and they were like for after a couple of minutes we're like oh is it a boy or a girl we hadn't even checked (laughs) and then we're like oh it's a boy and um yeah, we just, yeah, it was just shock. Like, I think it was just, I don't know. It was not like shock in a bad way, but just like, whoa, like this is real, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's so intense. Like one moment you're pregnant and the next there's this baby. <laughs> it's so wild. Yeah. So he came at 5.23 in the morning and, um, yeah, it was big. It was really big. Mm. Yeah. Right. And on how? The, yeah, he's an equinox baby. <laughs> so beautiful. And how was that first, like, little time of integration of you, like, bonding and and 
healing and that um like you've just walked over that threshold of like of maiden and now you're a mother and like how did you feel during that time I guess that whole context of like mother and maiden like I wasn't really thinking of it I I guess but not you don't have to be yeah. thinking of it but it's just it just happens hey it's just and I yeah. think our first yeah. babies it's it's a big shift it's a big oh, it was huge yeah like change and and we all take some time to land and integrate what we have just yeah. <laughs> like moved through yeah and you know, like I didn't at that stage have like amazing boundaries. And I just remember like, you know, it was amazing having my mom there. Like that was the biggest gift. Um, and she stayed for like a number of weeks, like to support. I'm just so grateful. Like it was so good. Um, but yeah, after that, it was so lonely, you know, like I didn't have my friends. I didn't have my family. And it was hard, like really hard. And you're getting to know yourself. Yeah. Like when I say that transition from maiden to mother, I know not everyone kind of uses those terms or really understands them. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's that um, like you are just you and then all of a sudden now you're a mom. Yeah. And it is like there is this death that happens and yeah. then you're reborn with your baby and, and you're rediscovering who you are again and it can be, I think yeah. like it, you took it to a whole other level being in another country. Yeah. Um, but it can feel like it can feel like a lonely time because yeah. yeah. You all of a sudden have a baby in your arms 24/7 and you're not just Athena or Lucy or Christy anymore. You're a mother to your baby and it's this big um time of getting to know yourself all over again and it's super intense. Yeah. Yeah, there was definitely that. Like, and it was hard because I was learning who I was in a new country, in a new culture. And it was also a new me. Yeah, like mm. mom me. And, mm. but also, like, I think it was hard because, in a way, like, I was coming to realize that, like, I really couldn't sustain the business that I'd created. So I was kind of grieving that at the same time. Um, yeah, it was. It was hard. Like it was deeply hard. Like, and I guess why, like a big reason why I've gone into the mental health space is because I have realized how in intrinsically important it is for everyone to understand themselves and what they're going through. And I guess one of the biggest things for me is like, especially with my clients, like what I would like just love to kind of impart with people is like how important your environment is you know like the people you surround yourself with your home like the culture that you're within you know if it's not supporting you and regardless if it's like birthing regardless if it's you know if you're in your teens and you're listening to something like this like your environment is so important and if you're feeling like depressed or you're struggling like look at what's happening around you look at the people you're surrounding yourself with like is your home supporting you is your home tidy is your home spacious enough do you have enough like you know people around you that are, are positive and encouraging you like that is just so important 
um, that was a biggest, probably the biggest lesson for me is like I realised Denmark wasn't my place, you know. And I had, I don't know, like there, there's been like a lot of rocky patches between my partner and I because we've been trying to navigate different cultures and countries mm. and and having a child to someone in a different culture is also in and of itself like and the way you parent is just so different like and that creates its own set of issues as well like I mean it's hard enough even from the same country (laughs) yeah yeah like customs and understandings like there's a lot been a lot of like tricky moments we've had to navigate like understanding where we're coming from like some actions that him and maybe my mother-in-law have done like with my son I'm like what are you doing you know and like for me that's something that I would never do but then some stuff I've done the both of them are like whoa what are you doing that's like totally weird like and they don't like it so yeah yeah those cultural and language barriers because it's just some things don't translate do they yeah but yeah I guess like my biggest thing of like having children is like setting yourself up with your community first and foremost like put yourself in that environment the environment that you have birthing is just so critical to like it going well and and coming into that new version of you supported is just so crucial so Mm, yeah 100 learning that I went through anyway yeah (laughs) I think we all we actually all do in some different way go through that it's quite harrowing and yeah when I had my first baby I'd literally felt like a bomb had gone off and I couldn't see or hear and I couldn't get my bearings and I remember it being super intense and even the next day looking at the pile of clothes that I worn the day before when I was just pregnant and it was it was like I was looking at like a skin I'd just shed like it was like someone had died and it was like I didn't expect to feel that I think is what I'm trying to say but I think um and I don't, I'm not necessarily normalizing how intense your eyes experience of the, I don't think that's normal. I think it is that we don't have the community support and the, and the, those people around us holding us in that transition. It's that we're not held enough in these initiations and these times of transition. And, um, but also that it is, it is going to be a different version of you on the other side of that, of that, um, birthing experience like it you really are rebirthing yourself and I and if women can kind of understand that and have um support in place in your postpartum oh my goodness postpartum is so important um it can help you feel more nourished and to help you come out the other side thriving and so connected with your baby and your family and your partner and um yeah so big Mm. So Athena, Athena, like in that initial postpartum and then moving forward, like what was that like for you? Because isn't like the childcare system and um, oh yeah, and all of that just super different as well. Like 
Oh, that's, yeah, in and of itself a really hard thing because Mm. I was realising, you know, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mum and actually that doesn't really exist in Denmark. Um, And I know that sounds like a really wild thing to say, but it's true. So women in Denmark have, and I'm going to use the word conditioned and I know it triggers a lot of Danish people to hear that, but they have been conditioned from the 60s and 70s to go back to work 100% of women within a year, right? Some women do it earlier, but pretty much the government will support you to have one year of maternity leave. They also have like a really beautiful paternity leave system as well. Like so you can... Like they don't call it maternity or paternity leave. It's just called Basel, which means parent leave. And you can split it between you and your partner. You can do a few things to kind of like prolong it. But pretty much 100% of Danish babies, excluding a very small minority of renegade parents, um, they all have to go back to work. Because in Denmark, you pay 50% of your income tax to the government, right? So you need two incomes and they support you so beautifully in that first year. But after that, pretty much all kids are in daycare. Um, And in the old days, I've heard like Copenhagen, they used to give you an allowance to stay at home with your kids. Um, They, it would kind of like council municipalities would support in different ways. So I've heard in some of the rural areas in Denmark, they still give like an allowance for parents who want to stay at home with kids. But um, pretty much all Danish kids go in from like one to one and a half years old. And I was having huge pressure from my partner, from my in-laws, from family, from friends saying, when are you going back to work? And it was heavy. It was really heavy because I didn't expect that. I didn't Such a disconnect really from mother yeah, and baby. Yeah. And it you see these women and they go through this process and the babies aren't ready. They're not ready. They all normalize just crying. Everyone's crying at the drop. Does that mean the breastfeeding it, ceases? Everybody stops breastfeeding from a year. Mm. Like it's just and and a lot of women I spoke to, they weren't ready to finish breastfeeding. No way. Um, and they do because they have to. And it's that was really distressing for me. And I because no one there was able to talk about it and it I was the weird odd one out that was hard I was really really isolated and I would come back to Sydney with my son and I'd see all these mums with toddlers on the beach during the day and I was like this is what I want but I couldn't express that to my partner or any of the people I knew in Denmark like family and friends because they thought I was a weirdo and so I was forced to put Romarius basically in family daycare from one and a half. And um, while I looked for a job, because in Denmark, you looking for a job is considered working-ish. Mm. And I needed to find work. Like we, we weren't getting 
ahead in life because I wasn't working and like I could never imagine that like like Prim is like one and a bit now and she's constantly still on my boob so yeah I just and I like she's basically just attached to me constantly so it's so hard such a it'd be so like devastating and coming from a hypnotherapy perspective you see a lot of really big infants in Denmark and they're all like feeding themselves like insanely because they're eating their emotions like it is so hard like and look if people from Denmark are listening to this I'm really sorry this was my observation and my experience and I don't mean to say that it's a bad experience whatsoever it works for 99% of the population over there but for me it was hell. It was really. And that's hell. okay for that to be your experience and your feelings. Yeah. Like everybody yeah. has their own feelings and experience yeah. of, of the world. And that yeah, was. We're not um, robots. Yeah. Yeah. So fully validating you in everything yeah. that you felt. Yeah. 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 It was, I really wanted to just work like two or three days a week and a part-time job there is they don't have jobs that do two to three days a week. They only have part-time, which is instead of 37 hours a week, it's 30 hours a week. So you get to clock off maybe at 2 or 3 p.m. That's a part-time job to them. I ended up getting a part-time job, which was great, um, and it was still five days a week. Having said that, like daycare in Denmark is is great. I think it's like a one-to-four ratio of like, child carers to like infants at you know at that level we had a family daycare nanny who lived up the street her name was Mia and she was really lovely and he went as well like one day to my mother-in-law but it's still it's not their mum but it was hard it was really hard yeah yeah and especially like to um I mean like in my experience like with Luna my firstborn I went back to work really quickly, but that was out of my own disconnect with yeah. just my initiation and my body mm. and my relationship to her. And also my birth was completely mm. like, you know, um, institutionalized and traumatic, but it's like, it's so funny, but not funny, but so weird that you guys have these intentional, beautiful home births that yeah. will bring so much more connection to the body and the baby and mother relationship only to just almost be severed like a year on like it's yeah so bizarre. yeah yeah it was tough like it was really tough um I mean I could pick him up early which was nice but yeah it, I just I was like this is not this is not what I want and so I was pushing to come back to Denmark for uh, sorry to Australia for a long time um and that happened eventually but it wasn't until he was like four and a half five um, that we were able to do that and it was just yeah it was it was not what I wanted it was what we did because we needed to and I needed to also manage the culture that I was in and the expectations that were yeah well I suppose that's upon a me culture so yeah. I mean yeah. you 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 have to fit in yeah yeah and I did it, it there was a lot of like weird questions from like family members on my partner's side like why aren't you going back to work like what, what's going on like you should go back and they could see I was really unhappy but it was like 
yeah, I was really out of my depth and I didn't have the boundaries at that stage just to say no. Like, I, this is uh, are there many, like, as you put it, like renegades over there that are just like, I'm not doing this. I I'm had homeschool and do all the yeah. What's home, is there any homeschoolers or anything like that? It's so few and far between. They are around, I think, but more in like rural areas, not so much in Copenhagen. I had some friends who were like expat mums, and oh. one of my expat mums, who's a French mum, she pushed it off as long as she could. Um, and so we hung out a lot with our little ones, but yeah, even still, she she held out depends. longer than me. But yeah, it's hard. Depends on finances too, I suppose. Especially it, if the that's exactly like it. That. That's exactly it. When half your income tax is going to the government, and you know Danes, they like to have a holiday overseas. You know, in the south of Europe, because it gets it's still cold in in summer. Like you need your mental health break. I mean, they get six weeks paid holidays. Like the health, the the healthcare is great. The um, you get six weeks holidays every year. Um, Romarius, my son, had like ninety percent organic food in his um, daycare. Three cooked meals a day, basically. They had fish cooked every Tuesday. Like it was beautiful. Like really great quality care they would go out on excursions all the time like it was very outdoor play based like they have an amazingly high level of understanding of what children need but at the same time you could see in a lot of children they needed that extra time with their parents to connect mm, like it just they to me it sounds like it's almost worse if, if there is that understanding of um, and support of physiological birth and then gentle, um, like gently caring for children and all of those things, but they're so willing to pressure you to leave your child when you're yeah. biologically primed to need to still be together. Like, yeah. like children don't know they're separate from their mum like until the 18 months, not even. Like it's, oh, it's they, so big. They There's think so they're part of you. Yeah, and there's so many studies that support that exactly right, Lucy. Like the, all the studies say, like children do not need socialisation outside of the family unit until three, basically. Like there is no need whatsoever for them to like really go and learn how to socialise until after three because mum and dad can teach them what they need until that stage. And, you know, like... It shouldn't be just mum and dad. It should be family, extended family and neighbours and all of that. But it's it should be a very tight-knit experience for them. You know, it's great that they have other kids, but really, like, their sense of self and self-identity is really carved out in that time. Mm. Um, you know, in my work as a hypnotherapist, I take people back into their childhoods to see where it all went wrong, where their mm. sense of self-worth their sense of safety, their sense of value, self-value, like worthiness, where that got eroded or where that started that belief that they weren't worthy or that belief that they weren't valued or they're not enough or they're not loved, where that came from. And it's it's these moments of childhood, you know, mum and dad abandoning me at daycare, like that, yeah. that comes up as a thing a lot in my, you know, 
Yeah, it's my wild. Work. It's just so wild that we don't support the mother-child dyad like in the way that it really needs to be supported and yeah. mothers and babies we our instincts don't lie we we it's you I just to... even think that's directly related how we are connected to nature mm. yeah and earth like really like when you think about it we are not encouraged to really connect deeply it's classes woo woo yeah. yeah 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 so much disconnect everywhere yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's so much great research as well that, like, Dr. Gabal Mate talks about, like, there's huge correlations now with, like, even ADHD and later childhood, um, sorry, even birth, tra- ADHD. trauma. Well, he, yeah, like, in the research coming through now, women's, can even their state of being in their mind and body, conception, even from conception, that state of stress 100%. creates chemical imbalances in the brain that later on go towards these states of ADHD and, I and mean, a lot of I feel like mental health issues. My whole pregnancy with Luna, I was on, got prescribed like high, high volume, like antidepressants that I was on. I was not in a good headspace. My birth was very, um, like institutionalized and traumatic and she's I definitely see that disconnect in her where she shuts down and I'm like Luna I mean she's great like but at least I know I'm aware of it and I can work with it and this is her journey I understand all of that but I definitely can see where that has been where that has affected her Mm. I'm just like oh my gosh like so important for us to bring awareness to to this disconnect, you know, in all these different aspects of evolution and life and and how important consciousness is and um, we aren't just physical beings, like we're, we're emotional, spiritual, energetic, like it's so important that we honour this whole process and we're holistic mm. and um, we're also, yeah, we are nature, we are animals, Um we the way that we treat birthing pregnant and birthing women and support them postpartum we would never dream of doing similar to a wild animal like you know you look at how beautifully they support (laughs) tigers at the zoo to birth or lions or whatever and they're very hands-off and they're very conscious of how any intervention intervention will sever that that mother's instinct to care for her child yet look at how we support our mothers, like human being mothers, and in their postpartum. It's wild to me. Like we, it's the same. It's one, in the sa- one of the same. And um, as soon as we respect this natural process again and how any little, um, any little thing is an intervention and it, and, and it can have impact, mm. it's, it's such such a precious and delicate process growing a baby birthing a baby raising a child it's Mm. it's sacred and um gosh it just doesn't get as enough recognition and support as it deserves 
Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. Ga- How do you say his name? Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate. Gabor. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting actually. Like I just recall, I had a conversation with River in the cards as my middle son yesterday. This is super wild, by the way, what I'm about to say. Well, I mean, you guys will think it is. Um, <laughs> he's got like, like he's like, he lives with asthma. And asthma is like grief and sadness, which I'm always like, and it's also on mostly on his left side, which is like the feminine side. And I'm always just trying to work him out. Like he does have this like really big heart and he's, I'm very connected to River. And we were talking about um, in the car, I was showing him the video that I put on the sacred space of me grunting. And he was like, oh, I remember that mum. And he's like, do you remember my birth mum? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, that was, um, and he went really quiet. And I was like, you were right. Like he had like tears in his eyes. Like he was really like, I, I, I got photos of him like after it. Cause I was like, that's so wild. Like, and he got really deep and I said, are you all right, bub? Like, are you okay? And he's like, I just, I feel really sad. I'm really sad. I feel really sad about that when I was born. I was like, why? Mm. Because, because you were in so much pain, mum. You were you were really hurting. And, like, it's just interesting how he said that. This is the first time he's ever said this um, because I was in so much pain. I was trying to run away from my body so much. And he was born with, like, a like burst capillaries in his eyes because I was holding on so tightly because I was so in so much pain and I was so scared. And mm. it's just like in that moment when I was speaking to him, he remembered that. And it just something just, I don't know, there was like like almost like a connection with that, with his asthma, with some sadness, with some grief, you know, that just to me, like intuitively as a mother, like I just understood something for a minute there and how impactful like our birds are on our children, yeah. on us, on like their patterns. And like, you know, it's, I don't know, it's pretty wild. Like I, I just... Now I can work with that more with him. I mean, I I could sad, but I'm just like, wow. That is so special that he remembers yeah. that, you know. I know. And he was really sad, like tears. And then he's like, I don't want to talk about it, mum. I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. Super interesting too that when I was in uh having giving birth to Prim, my third, like he was so hands-on and like so compassionate and loving towards me, which it just mm. makes sense, you know, it makes so much sense yeah oh so beautiful yeah (laughs) yeah I'd love to just segue now into um your hypnotherapy work that you're that you do um and how that played in with your mothering journey and how you yeah have come to be in this place of work and supporting people men women (laughs) yeah well thank you yeah I I love that story, Christy, because it it is so deep. Like we, I feel like you helped me get to that that thought, like that thought that I mean, I have done a lot of work around that, but even doing your hypnotherapy, which what we're like talking about now, it's like you've um, definitely helped me open up doors Mm, to. We live patterns, and yeah, he's experiencing that emotional process. And you know what? The fact that you probably were able to hold that space for him and say, and and I don't know like what's ensued after that conversation, but it could be a beautiful way to like just go, 
you know what, it was really hard and I'm I'm sorry mm. that it was so painful and, you know, it wasn't meant to be like that. But it, it is, that is a really beautiful way that you can close that trajectory mm. for him, you know, mm. and, and you can say, just hold him in that and say like, you know, I've got you now and we don't need to be in pain anymore because that, that was, that was because I didn't know any better. And I, I, mm. I was, I didn't know my body so well. And I, you know, but you taught me how I can be strong. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, mm, that acknowledgement. Because children, totally. they, they know so deeply. They know, they feel. Right. Children are feeling. They're totally feeling. And they're feeling into you and your energy. Um, for example, just this week or last week, I had a client um, who's done huge self, like, you know, work on herself. And you know, done a lot of therapy, all that. But one of the things that came up in the session was like, you know, her mom and her dad arguing that that coming, you know, parents arguing as a little girl, you are the energy of your mom. So when mm. a dad like attacks the mom and says, you're this, you're that, you feel that you take on those words. Like, and she Absolutely. had done that, you know, the dad was saying that she's stupid. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And she'd taken that all on. She'd felt what her mom had felt. Um, we feel what our parents feel. Yeah. And, you know, acknowledging that and saying, Hey, that, that wasn't okay. That was not what it should be, but we have the power to change that. Um, it, it can just be so powerful, just those words and knowing like, hey, something did go wrong, but we have the power to change that. And I'm still doing that with my son because a lot of stuff went on in Denmark. I was really depressed. Um, so how I got into hypnotherapy, back to your question, is like I went through a, an insane dark night of the soul um, after my child had to go to daycare it was really against my intuition um I I cried a lot um I was having different boundaries crossed in different ways because I didn't understand really what I wanted first and foremost because I'd been a people pleaser for most of my life and really good at like allowing other people to cater to what they want at the expense of what I wanted um, I was very anxious because I was in an environment and a country that I didn't understand and I didn't know and I didn't know the language a lot of the time, what people were saying because Danish is so hard even though I tried to learn Danish. So it's just this mixed bag of like shit, at the, at, you know, and I think it got to where my son was four and I was like I tried a lot of stuff. I went to counselling. I went to different body um, mind practitioners. I'd gone to one type of hypnotherapy in Australia, which had left me so wide open and wounded and in pain. And I was like, I, I need something. Like I wasn't getting to the root cause of my issues. And as I've told you, like when the universe sends me signs, it sends me signs. And within a month, um, two completely separate people that I knew were all of a sudden in my sphere that were doing this thing called RTT hypnotherapy. Uh, one was a good friend who I'd known for a few years. She was another expat. She was French. And um, 
we'd talked about both of our depression before she had had suicidal stuff happening like real deep for a long time and all of a sudden I didn't see her for six months and she had like had this RTT session totally got rid of the suicidal thoughts and gone on to train to be an RTT practitioner then I had another woman I met at a uh dinner and she had been an RTT practitioner I was like okay the universe is sending me this because it's something I need to do I had one session with actually each of them I tried it with each of them and within that next few months I was like that's it we're going back to Australia because I was like I need I need to go back you know it wasn't working for me and we did go back to Australia um and I tried to work in marketing. It was just disastrous, like back in Australia. Like it, I had this job that just was not going well. Um, it, it, yeah, I ended up leaving within six weeks. It was just a nightmare. And I was like, I can't do marketing anymore. Like this is too hard. Um, it's not family friendly. Like I couldn't have my son. And so I was like, I'm going to retrain and become an RTT therapist. And or I knew I wanted to either become a meditation practitioner or an RTT therapist. And I decided mm. to become an RTT therapist because they came out and um, Marissa Peer was training live in Melbourne at the end of 2019. And I did that. And then so I've been doing it since 2020. And, yeah, it's going well. And You're bloody good at it, mate. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's such a gift because I can combine a lot of the spiritual knowledge and understanding of the mind mm. with um, just the work that I do. And You yeah. also have a lot of compassion and you have like full mother energy, like you've got the nurturing, like you've got like this mix of like nurturing energy but then you're like super intelligent and can connect on that like intellectual level. And I then, love science. Like I love science yeah. and I love spirituality. Like I love yeah. the fusion of finding magic within science. Like that's and then you can, is um, really interesting. Then you can slut drop on a pole. I mean, there's just oh, yeah. it's very diverse. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love a bit of dancing too. Look, yeah. It's all about like shaking the booty. I feel like you should elaborate on that statement, <laughs> Christy. People be like, what? Oh, slut drop. Oh, so Athena is another member of off studio, off studio, off duty studio yeah. pole dancing club in Christy the mountains. Christy wrote me in to the intro course a few months back, and we have been working out on the poles yeah. each week. It's so good. Embodiment. Getting slowly from going slowly from like unco child baby giraffe moves to like yeah to like we're like last like la- tuesday was epic <laughs> like we were both like wait a second we're actual strippers you were. Now. I, I'm, I'm um <laughs> yeah i'm 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 my my pace is a bit slower than yours christy but no we're that's not true you're amazing <laughs> Oh, thank that. you so much athena for coming on our little podcast and oh, sharing yeah. your amazing story with us and all our listeners what yeah Yeah. it's a massive jumble like my life has been it's really not though um you're just yeah you're just a beautiful multifaceted strong (laughs) 
woman Uh, and you're very and and it's like a pleasure like to be mm. in this community with you because you're so easy to talk to you've got that like um I don't know just that perspective and that insight then it comes from your experiences and the Mm. work that you do and I mean I love being around your energy I think it's I think what's so beautiful about storytelling like that's our main intention in this space is just to hear like different women's stories really Mm. is that so many of us can actually relate to parts of every other woman's story and there were so many parts in your story that I could really relate to and I know other women would as well and it's just about us feeling united and not alone in our experiences and our evolution in in how we mother in how we grow in how we show up for ourselves in the world and um just feeling yeah less alone in this yeah human life it's yeah. a wild trip and um so yeah I just thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably and so beautifully and um, so much wisdom in there mm. as well. Yeah. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for holding space and just providing this beautiful platform of, you know, supporting women because this is just the biggest, you know, apart from birth and death, like in itself as human beings that everybody goes through, like birthing children is just the mm. biggest, most important um, like life experience and it's it's so not honored and valued in the way it needs to be and this work is so important and Mm. like I just encourage any woman and man who's embarking on the journey of parenthood to just if you're getting triggered if you're getting like you know if there's issues that you can feel emotionally going on do the work on yourself Mm. before you even conceive clear up those energetic paths clear up those bad patterns those triggers like clear it all as much as you can up because there's always going to be more that's life but just try and do as much work as you can even before you conceive because the the child you will create energetically will benefit from Mm -hmm. all of that lineage being cleaned up um and you will go into that process of parenting just on such a much better platform and and we're Mm. seeing it now like I see it in the babies coming through like how Mm. sparkly and bright and beautiful they are like your kids you know and you know my child as well like I did big work before I had him and he is a sparkly bright child Mm. you know he is um and I just want that for everyone you know Mm. yeah I get really emotional because I think all the babies deserve that they deserve to be held and supported so that they can become the best versions of themselves and in turn like create the next you know version of reality that we all deserve and desire of like huge freedom huge power huge love you know and connection um because humanity is ready for it we're ready for it yeah and we're all doing our part and in that work that you're doing for your babies you're actually also doing it for your own inner child Mm. oh yes yes and and I do huge work with that like inner child is just so crucial because your inner child is within you at all times listening observing reacting (sighs) So, yeah, I love it. And I, I just love 
I love you guys. You guys are so special. And, and we love this you too. Work is just so great. Like it's just, it's power because this, that path of birthing is, is just crucial to creating humans that are, uh, are amazing. So yeah. yeah. Well done to you both. <sighs> Can't wait to collaborate. Way to mm-hmm. end. Yes. There'll be collaboration yes. in the works in the future. Watch this space. Yes. Yes. Watch this space. I would love oh. that. So if we want to um, connect in with Athena, yeah, yeah, swing us your website. We will put yeah. all so, in the show notes. As yeah, well. we'll pop it all in the show notes. But um, if people are keen to connect with you, what is the best way? Um, the best way is www.estate, like real estate, estateofbeing.co. No com, but just co. Estateofbeing.co. And reach out, even if it's just to have a chat, like everyone's welcome just to have like a free 15, 20 minute chat, just to see what hypnotherapy is like, what it might be like for you. Um, There's no obligation. I just like to connect with people and invite them to imagine a potential reality of themselves that they want to work towards and and to, you know, together it's like me guiding you towards that goal. but figuring out what's in the way in between and helping you to get rid of that because that's Mm. all it is your your dream future wants you it's Mm. just about allowing it to happen and and getting rid of the fear whatever it is in between you and your incredible reality that you want to manifest so incredible that's so juicy like oh. I'm like hell yeah but on that note I'm fl- I'm like yes Same. I'm like what do I want to create <laughs> you guys are creating you guys what are timeline like do I want to jump master on? creators I, I see you both creating magically on a daily basis so oh, thank you fine. so much oh, thank you okay. Athena Uh, Thank you guys so much. It's been such a joy. Thank you.